Welcome to the Baby Wants His Bottle Poetry Inc. podcast, a creative project by Martin Anton Smith, a New Zealand-based creative. In this episode, I will be reading three humorous poems, and they will be those, the first one will be called Those Streaky Starving Satellites. The second one will be called Mrs. Whippy, I'm Breaking Up With You. And the third one is a short story called Flying Cosmic Dildo vs. Man. Let's begin with the first one. Now, uh, of course, with my podcast, I like to add analysis and discussion before and after the poem, sometimes before, sometimes after, sometimes before and after. And um, this is no different, so let's talk about this poem first. Those Streaky Starving Satellites. Um, I read, I, uh, sorry, I, this one, excuse me, I lost my train of thought there. This was inspired uh, due to the weather which was written uh, only uh, roughly 13 days ago. Yes, a- April the 4th. And this poem, uh, of course, this episode has actually been read by the robot, I should say. All three of these poems have been read by the artificial intelligent bot. And, uh, of course, I'm catching up now and reading them in the flesh with my own voice. The robot's voice is not too bad. But of course, it's better to have the real creator uh, speak for himself or herself, as the case may be. Anyway, this poem was inspired by the weather one day. There were some wild winds blowing in central Otago, where I live. And uh, the wind was the most fierce I'd seen for the last couple of years. The sky was blue and there was much throwing and toing as well as many toing and froing of leaves and various small detritus through the air. And uh, luckily uh, my cat Squeaky did not fly through the air. No, he uh, cannot fly, so that would be quite stressful for him. And no doubt he would be asking for many more biscuits than he usually does. And... um, In this poem, I thought of uh, thin people being buffered about while larger people uh, were existing in more relaxing circumstances. Yes, when things get very gale force, those of us that are larger uh, will have a lot more ballast, won't they, than thin people. It's a bit like a small boat versus a large boat on choppy water, isn't it? So, uh, yes, I wrote a light-hearted piece about wind, this wind-buffering matter. matter. I think this poem would go over well in a poetry reading where people are sufficiently lubricated. I think I will try and make this happen and try and read this also in front of a live audience at some point. That would be good. Uh, We may need to take another trip to Dunedin, go to the... uh, the old poetry reading at the Dog uh, with Two Tails Cafe, which is a great supporter of the arts. 
might I add? Now, uh, yes, uh, let's just get into it, I think. Um, let's just start reading. Um, but I will add that this poem is, uh, is best listened to in windy cities like Wellington or Fremantle, Australia. I definitely do not recommend this poem if you are a sailor waiting impatiently in the doldrums for more wind to catch your sail. As uh, if you're waiting in the doldrums, that would be uh, make you very more cranky, very more cranky than you already would be as a sailor. Of course, sailors are known for being drunk and cranky. Although it's probably not politically correct to say that anymore. But let's be honest, political correctness has kind of consumed itself by 2021, hasn't it? I don't think there would be many people that would disagree with me on that one. Okay, let's begin. Those Streaky Starving Satellites by Martin Anton Smith, 2021. While the war, war while, let's just begin again, sorry. While the wild storm is a bruin, the thin become nervous and fidgety, while the large conversely are quite relaxed. For the large are naturally blessed with ballast, while the thin have burnt theirs off long, long ago. At its logical worst, the garrulous gale brings forth a scattered world of thin people flying through the sky, the direction of which is determined by what meteorologists call the jet stream. They circumnavigate the earth like high-flying tumbleweeds or as low-flying streakily-shaped satellites would. Of course, the large people, safely endowed with God's ballast, have a whale of the time, watching skywards from below. They festively raise a glass to the gallery of large friends gathered, and speak freely with witty rejoinder, and they dare to quip. Yeah, well, that's what you get for starving yourself. End of poem. Now this uh, has some closing remarks, uh, this poem. Um, thank you for your patience, of course. Uh, hope you enjoyed those streaky starving satellites. Uh, I'd just like to add that in a windier world, perhaps brought on by rampant climate change, middle-aged spread or extra girth isn't such a bad thing after all. It allows you to have ballast and sturdiness to combat the slings and arrows of existence in the high winds of life. Of course, when the wind dies down and the heat piles on, those thinner people will be laughing at the large while they sweat uncomfortably and the thin radiate the heat away like a good engine cowling would. Please do not take this poem too seriously. It's simply a commentary on the physics of larger and smaller bodies facing environmental stresses. And those bodies happen to be living breathing humans of all shapes and sizes. And that's a thing of beauty, don't you agree? And now on to our next poem. Now, thank you very much for uh, listening to that first poem. It is much appreciated. And uh, I hope uh, some of you found that interesting. Now, next one is called 
Mrs. Whippy, I'm breaking up with you. Now, this also has analysis, so let me dig in. I wrote this poem in a very strange way. Let me explain. I was installing my new computer, and uh, I came across an old USB drive. It was from 2012. On it, I'd found a ridiculous-sounding love letter. I read it over to myself. The letter was an equal mix of bad saccharine sweet movie lines Self-pity and self-pity all mixed together. The, I believe, unsent, unsent letter was to a woman I had briefly cared for and had been dating, and had, she had quite rightly dumped me for being the fool I was. After rereading it, I realised at the time I was 35 years old and going on 18 in emotional IQ terms. Like many males, I guess. I'm hoping that has now changed a little bit in the last seven years since then. Although it is nine years since then, isn't it? The letter was a B-grade movie-type script. Yes, it was. However, as I sat in front of the screen some nine years later... I thought to myself the following logic. Rather than deleting it entirely and having it just be a cringe kind of memory that I feel bad about, I thought to myself, let's give it a fresh lease on life. I then compiled the best few handfuls of lines from it, carefully cho chosen in sequence so they would roughly fit together in the story type form. I then added a few extra lines to change the context entirely. The new context would be ice cream. I found when I made ice cream the subject, rather than an ex-love interest, the words took on a whole new uplifting quality. If I do say so myself, I think the resulting poem is somewhat witty and, of course, best enjoyed with an ice cream. So for those of you listening that have some, pause this. And come back again with some ice cream and press play. I'm serious, you should definitely do this, as it will really add to your experience. This poem is an ode to the theory that it is wise to make something fresh from the most challenging experiences in life. When life gives you lemons, make lemonade. Maybe you should get some lemonade now as well as the ice cream. Yes, good idea. Without further ado... Let's read the poem. It's called Mrs. Whippy, I'm Breaking Up With You. Mrs. Whippy, I'm Breaking Up With You. Our dynamic doesn't work and clearly brings out the worst in both of us. It's a vicious cycle because I wanted you more, much more than you wanted me. You then pull away. We have a break and I sit there for a month, desperately sugar low. I know I wasn't going to hurt you, but if you were scared, I accept that you had no choice. I just hope that the reason you went wasn't for revenge. Maybe you can just switch off from these things. But I need ice cream. But you're right, you're not good for me. But you can make me do the sweetest things. Maybe you can just switch off from all these things. I did feel much, much warmth inside when embracing you. 
you drip-fed type warmth made me addicted. And I lost control and broke my promises. It's not easy turning around 20 years of bad snacking. And I've been battling all those crap things all my life. I think you can always make amends for bad behavior. And after all, if you've had an early midlife crisis, then life begins at age 35. Things I feel wrong for are many, but so small. Just like hundreds of thousands. Those sprinkles. Without health, we have nothing, and I must attend to my health. There can be no other way to live life for the next 27 million minutes of my life. I must begin to live life on my own terms. I'm sorry for what I have to say. You always play the same old music. I can't handle your icy cold exterior anymore. I'm tired of waiting for you to arrive on time. You add too much weight to my poor soul, and this has become more than I can swallow. So it is with a heavy heart that I say, I can no longer eat your ice cream anymore. End of poem. That one does not have any real analysis. It is what it is, really. And uh, maybe I'll just add that that can be a good idea, I think, to do. Perhaps if you are looking back on some mistakes in your relationships, perhaps you can write them down, but with a more comical twist. And I must say, I feel so much better about a lot of uh, those memories now that I did that. It's uh, It really is a good idea. I really do think it is worthwhile to do that. So... Now, let us go on, I guess, to the feature piece of the podcast. And it is the very funny, or not funny, depending on your persuasion. It is the very funny, or not funny, short story called Flying Cosmic Dildo. Verse man. And uh, really it's just a, a morbid twisted love story. With hopefully a few math laughs in the mix. Let's just get straight into it. She dumped him because she looked at him. Then looked at her dildo. Did a perfunctory cost benefit analysis. And decided he came up short. She swiftly packed his bags and put them outside the front door, waiting for him to arrive from work. She didn't want to be there when he was opening the door. That would be far too stressful. She called her gaggle of girlfriends, most of whom she despised. They would all meet at a faraway bar and would celebrate her heroic decision to ditch her bloke for a dildo. She would have the wild freedom of celebrating and she would spend the night drinking cosmopolitans and watching writing sorry a multi-authored blog piece called my dildo won a war of love versus my husband should you do the same yes she had watched too much sex in the city 
when she was younger. Meanwhile, her husband, Pat Tiberius Eggins, yes, that's his real name, was driving home in his noisy, weather-beaten classic VW. He was looking forward to seeing his wife, Olga. He had had a bad day at work, and so his PA had booked him a, quote, sales meeting with a prospective client, end quote, at some weird cocktail bar quite far away from his house. Of course, the, quote, sales meeting, end quote, was a ruse. He'd meet his mistress. Miss Penny Drop. The bar his PA had booked for his, quote, false business meeting, end quote, but in reality, in reality, a sneaky affair, rendezvous, had a very weird name. It was called Quick Kick the Can. But strangely, the more he said it over in his head, the more it appealed. Kick the can, kick the can, kick the can. He laughed when he realized how great the name was for it so perfectly described his love life with Olga. He had fallen out of love with her years ago and was too weak and comfortable to break up with that woman he called his wife, or as he more creatively called her to his friends, the nice but boring lady who makes me clean. He was just going to go home, brush his teeth, shower, get changed, and tell Olga he couldn't eat her badly, inevitable, inedible macaroni cheese as a late sales appointment had been booked and he couldn't break it with such a big client. The client was called Dreamscape AI Holidays Virtual Reality. He practiced feigning regret. Meanwhile, Olga was living it up at the out-of-the-way bar. Her friends were well on their way and loving the night's frivolity, they were calling out loudly and true to form, had already made a poor waitress cry. What's this place's name called? Suzanne? Oh, it's called Kick the Can. Suzanne was one of her friends, of course. Or maybe we should call it Pat the Cat, Suzanne said, in honour of your inattentive husband. They all roared and cackled like the witches they were, so loudly that they even forced half of the other customers to leave. Of course, they didn't really recognize it was because of them. Because, of course, they were very clueless. Of course, this was a victory for Olga's mean-spirited friends. They loved to destroy. Meanwhile, Pat was in the driveway of the bar, he was waiting for Penny Drop to roll up. He wanted to walk in with her. She was a stunner with long black hair, a curvaceous figure and a killer smile, topped off with sparkling green eyes. She rolled up, parked and embraced. They embraced warmly. It's great to see you, Pat, Penny said with intention. Pat kissed her sweetly and said, Let's eat and be merry, to which Penny said, Who's Mary? She had a dry sense of humour, which he adored. Meanwhile, Olga and her means, mean evil friend's plan was being hatched. The plan was to take over the world via a giant, giant dildo empire and exterminate all males, including husband Pat, of course. Lab-grown females would be born via artificial semen and only created the female zygote when reacting with the ovum. Of course, before this technical feat, 
all the men would have to be killed in approximate caveman style first. Olga and her army's plan was to create a false Amway-type sales company that would advertise to hire women legitimately for jobs. When the woman agreed to attend the job interview, then they would simply hypnotize them so that they would become an unwitting hit man, or hit woman, as the case is. They would be programmed to kill upon their husbands coming home from work, turning on TV and opening a beer. The trigger would be that the wife hears the husband first break wind after sitting and relaxing with his beer. It was a fail-safe plan. Every man drinks beer and breaks wind and watches TV. In this process, upon hearing the butt clap, the mind-controlled woman's eyes would glaze over as the implanted hypnotic suggestions kicked in. In this trance, without thinking she would, she would get up, she would go to the fridge, take out a beer, uncap it, go to the garage, put antifreeze in it, then she would offer it to her flatulent TV-watching husband. He would gulp it down, fart a few more times, fart a few more times again, fart a few more times, and then expire forever. Through this method, Olga and her nasty friends could eradicate all the adult males in the world. It was only a matter of time and marketing. Olga and her mean buddies were over the moon. They had the perfect plan for perfect happiness. The no more plan, no more man plan, plan, as they dubbed it. They made a toast to female empowerment and the no plan, no man plan coming to fruition. Then they laughed maniacally, like the witches they clearly were. Meanwhile, Pat and Penny were having a drink. Here Budweiser, her a Long Island tea. They were in mid-conversation, talking about which, who was their favourite Simpsons characters. Was it Homer? Was it Otto? Or was it Wendell? Who could tell? When they heard a, then It was then they heard a terrible mean laughter from across the bar. When they looked over, they were horrified to see his wife, Olga, was there with her friends. They were busted. They composed themselves and tried to avoid being sprung by making a beeline for the pub's back door. Meanwhile, Olga saw something out of the corner of her eye. She noticed the unique sequin jacket she had bought Pat flash out the back door of the pub. She thought, was that my husband, Pat? She got up and rushed to find out. She made it out the door, saw Pat and some woman walking towards their cars. Stop! Pat! She yelled. Both of them stopped. They knew they have to face the music now. Olga had clicked immediately that Pat had romantically had been romantically linked with this leggy pretty woman. Her woman's intuition, of course, never failed her. Who the crap is this bitch, you bastard? She started slapping him. Penny, meanwhile, just looked at her feet, trying to avoid the situation, as that was her nature. Look, Olga said, Pat, assertively. This is Penny, and I'm with her, and I'll tell you straight I'm bored with you, and that's why I'm cheating on you with Penny. I'm sick of you getting up at 7.01, like clockwork, even on weekends. I'm sick of you cooking the same meals on the same days, on the same day, decade after decade. I'm sick of you laughing at the same dopey monologue of that wokester Stephen Col Colbert from The Late Show. 
You see, I hate him so much I can't even say his stupid name. I'm sick of your Pilates session. Your Pilates obsession, session after session. I'm sick of your stifled internal sneezes. In short, I'm just plain bored and tired, and I'm finally kicking this can down the road. You're fired. As Mr. Trump used to say back in the day, Olga was gobsmacked. This was the first time she had seen Pat stick up for himself. What could she do? She had already decided to phase him out, and she had just been hugely embarrassed in the worst possible way in front of that other woman. She did all she could do. She became internally furious. She kept a stiff upper lip and started to go back to the bar, to go back to the witches and resolve to continue the plan to exterminate all males and replace their pleasure-providing features with giant, 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 shiny dildos. The plan would stay intact. She was stubborn and now had nothing really to lose anyway. As she skulked back to re-enter the back door of the bar, she saw, she saw a glint in the sky. She looked closer. It was hurtling towards, towards them. It was a large phallic-shaped and metallic object. It was a giant iron asteroid. A dick-shaped asteroid was coming to wipe out all humanity. She couldn't believe it. By now, Olga's friends had already came out from the bar, hearing the commotion. And uh, they were looking at the asteroid, and their mouths were very much agape. And their jaws did even drop. Their jaws did drop, I should say. Two minutes later, there was a sudden cataclysmic giant asteroid impact. All life on Earth was exterminated in the blink of an eye. All bar a few beetles, sea cucumbers, and algae. The only saving grace for Olga and her evil, miserable friends was but that before it hit, they had two minutes to finish their drinks and say their goodbyes to each other, as did Pat and Penny. They were upset that their master plan was dashed. They would never, ever be able to create havoc to the world and eradicate all men personally and live in a dystopian utopia with giant, big, shiny dildos and plenty of feminist-loving, agreeable female girlfriends. But in the last seconds before the impact, they were begrudgingly happy that the cosmos had, in a way, sent its own dildo to wipe out all men, even though it would also kill them too. This, she thought, was the ultimate sacrifice. Olga clinked her mojito to the girlfriend's cosmopolitans and said, To the greater good. And they replied in kind. As the blast wave approached, Pat and Olga looked at each other. They realized they loved each other after all. They ended up twin piles of ash. Slowly, over a period of a billion years, this Pat-Olga ash pile metamorphosed into a long, tubular, tubular, shiny metal object that some long, thin fingers were now reaching for. The end. So that brings an end to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed the three poems. Uh, yes, it was uh, just a bit of frivolity tonight. Nothing too serious. In this world, I think uh, we need we need some good times, don't we? With uh, the 
coronavirus pandemic. Uh, a lot of uncertainty. Uh, we have, must have some fun times. We must listen to some funny, funny podcasts from down under. From the land of the white cloud, New Zealand. That's right. Don't forget old little old New Zealand. Right at the bottom of the earth. Right next to Antarctica. That's right. That place where they filmed Lord of the Rings. That's it. That's New Zealand for you. Although, we're more than just a Lord of the Rings place. We, uh, we also are good at rugby. That's right. There's two things New Zealand's good at. But uh, anyway, I jest. And uh, thank you very much for listening. And uh, we'll be doing another podcast very soon. Of course, uh, it may be more serious, that next one. This podcast does uh, a lot of essays as well or the odd essay and the odd special feature. There may also be some interviews coming up of some description. I'm not sure about that yet. But uh, I must bid you adieu as time is running short. And uh, thank you for listening to the Baby Wants Its Bottle Poetry Inc. podcast, the creative project by Martin Anton Smith, available on Spotify and wherever you get your podcast from. Once again, thank you, good night, or good morning, or good afternoon, wherever you are listening, all over the world. Good day, everybody. Thank you, thank you, thank you.